0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight the issues that matter in the way they matter and at the time they matter. If that is your goal, this is your place. CR podcast, Daniel Horowitz back here today for Wednesday and folks we got a terrific guest coming up dr paul alexander epidemiologist who worked early on in the trump administration has a lot of good perspective on both science policy politics um before we get to covid i just want to talk a little bit about the economy we are not just in an economic recession we're in a human recession. You know how the numbers go down, the charts, the GDP contracts, the jobs contract, personal income contracts? We literally have the human population contracting. That's why I'm going to continue focusing more on the human recession. Moreover, the economic recession is not just a recession income down, inflation up, as if this were the 1970s, 1980s, that you could take a Republican doll as a wind-up toy and wind it up and place it in 2022 and, and run the same message. Even when Republicans are saying things that are true, inflation's bad, Biden's bad, the border is bad, crime is up, and, you know inflation is record high, they'll say all this, but they express it in terms of a conventional issue. Even when they have the right issue, it's a talking point. The reason we have a bad economy is not because of historical Democrat policies like overtaxation, bizarre regulations, too much central control. It's the same reason we have the human contraction, because it is a genocide, a democide, a controlled demolition, transhumanism, Control and and transformation of our bodies, our souls, our minds, literally. It's not that, oh, they're not doing a good job on prices. No, no, no. It's the same reason that they committed genocide with medical freedom, with medicine and created pathogens and bioweapons. They've created food shortages. Think of all the things you need. Food. Medicine. Cars. Cars. Gas, okay? These are all the things that proliferate freedom. There's nothing that represents freedom more than the American car, okay? Most Americans own two cars. It's, it's unique in the world. And this is from Newspunch.com. WEF, World Economic Forum, issues edict on, to global leaders. Phase out car ownership. People can walk or share. In a paper published by the WEF on Friday, the globalist elites claim that communal sharing of cars is part of a circular approach necessary to reduce global demand for precious metals and fossil fuels. Citing the fact that the average car or van in England is driven has driven just 4% of the time, WEF claims that means people in developed countries, including the United States, should not have the right to own their own cars. Car sharing platforms such as GetAround and BlueSG have already seized that opportunity to offer vehicles where you pay per hour used. And folks, again, for a long time, there have been lunatics talking about the need to control human minds, control our cars, control our food, control our medicine. But now they're actually accomplishing it. They're actually doing it. it. Is it a coincidence that it happens to be that gas is so expensive Cars are scarce and expensive. The chip shortage. How come it seems that everything that they're locked into has a crisis? Is that that because the economy is bad? It's something much more sinister than that. And Republicans refuse to articulate that and refuse to get it. And the reason is because they're a part of it. They supported the very policies that created. They'll pick one or two policies they don't like over taxation, over regulation. They want to drill more. But at its core that's not why we are where we are. We're, we're we are where we are because of the great reset and Republicans to this day support the covid agenda, the vaccines, and Ukraine. And they will support the next new current thing. But this is what it's all about. You know, you had this America First Summit. They had Lindsey Graham speak at it. This is the think tank of all the MAGA grifters that aren't MAGA run by Brooke Rollins, the anti-incarceration, pro-BLM leftist that really ran Trump's domestic policy towards the end of his first term or his only term. So they had this confab. And Joni Ernst, another loser Republican from Iowa, spoke there and said, we have to absolutely annihilate the Russian forces. We get them to crawl back to Russia so bloody and bruised that they can't come back. And that was greeted by applause there. That's the issue. And then the same people are complaining about supply chain shortages and inflation. It's unbelievable. Then you had Trump there speaking about crime. And every Republican speaking about crime, except you are my witness that I am the only person I was speaking about this since the beginning of the show last decade. I was like, we are turning the clock on a generational gain against crime. We have a de-incarceration movement. They called it criminal justice reform. I was the last man standing with a byline on the right who opposed the jailbreak agenda. In fact, there was censorship on the right. You couldn't oppose it. That's how bad it was. And Trump got roped into it. So Trump's like, we need to send the National Guard into the cities to secure them. Do you know the sick irony? He said that at the confab run by Brooke Rollins, who was the advisor who got Trump to back down during the heat of BLM riots. And, uh, you know, those first two days, historically, it goes on for about a day where it's out of control, and then we get control of it. Okay, that that distinguished us from a developing nation where, you know, you had control over the situation. And it went on and on and on because they refused to do what it takes. He refused to react the way um, H.W. Bush did with the L.A. riots. You know, you had eventually that limited show of force, but only in D.C., not in other cities. And Trump rightly says that that's what needed to be done, But guess who got him to stand down? The president of the organization at which he made that very promise. You can look it up in the New York Times. It was Jared Kushner and Brooke Rollins stopped Trump from sending in the National Guard during the riots. Look it up. You know, from May, maybe late May, early June 2020. So I'm sick of these talking points. They indulge our talking points Yet, when it comes to the discernible policy outcomes, they're still on the other side, whether it's immigration, crime, medical freedom, you name it. Certainly Ukraine, that they're not, uh, they've, they've learned nothing from that. And then Trump said this. Take a listen to um, this clip from Trump at that same speech about Fauci and COVID.
1: Posted it up long before Nancy Pelosi wanted it, or any of these people, including Fauci. I used to... Listen to Fauci, and whatever he said, I did the opposite. I came out very good.
0: So he's telling us that he always did the opposite of Fauci? What are you talking about? He bashed Governor Brian Kemp for opening up. He bashed Sweden for never locking down. Until a few months ago, he was still saying he made the greatest, he did the greatest lockdown that saved a million lives. And then to this day, he's still saying the... Shots were the greatest thing ever. Warp speed was the greatest operation. And the shots are safe and effective. When they're the worst holocaust ever committed by our government. I I mean does this sound like a man that gets it? That has changed? But yet all my colleagues will continue to focus. On the talking point. Never on what needs to be done. Oh uh. Fund the police. What is this? Kevin McCarthy put out something on Twitter. Here is what House Republicans are going to do when we regain the majority next year. Cut spending. Fund the police. Secure the border. Give parents a say in their education. It's all talking points. Cut spending. They, they've never done that. In fact, there's never been a time they've been in power that they haven't Spent more than ever, and the reason is because when they're in power, they're even more scared to go against the contrived current thing like they did with COVID and Ukraine. Fund the police is a straw man. It's about locking up the career criminals. It's about recognizing we have an, over, we have an under-incarceration problem. They think we have an over-incarceration problem. Secure the border has always been a joke from the GOP while they're in bed with the ag lobby, big business you know, unlimited legal immigration that helps China and India and, you know, the WEF-style interests subvert the American worker and then um, give parents a say in their kids' education. I don't even know what that means. Anything short of saying you're going to abolish the Federal Department of Education, I'm not sure at a federal level what you're going to do with that. And notice medical freedom doesn't exist. The 800-pound gorilla in the room, and that's what we're going to talk about, that doesn't exist. Millions of people dead and injured, and they're still aggressively pushing it on children, on everyone, and they have more in the pipeline. I cannot think of a greater issue, a human recession, and yet they don't care. Now, folks, as I give you 2020 vision on politics— I want you guys to actually get twenty twenty vision in your eyesight. That's why I recommend Better Spectacles, America's only conservative eyewear company. They use glasses from the 144-year-old German company, Rodenstock. Ronald Reagan himself wore uh, Rodenstock glasses. Their scientists use biometric research to measure 7,000 points in your eye. It's actually one good part of artificial intelligence that actually results in good things, not spying on you, but producing biometric intelligence glasses are big, which gives you a seamlessly natural experience works perfectly with your brain. That's really what it is. Your vision has a lot to do with your brain. I feel it every day with my bitter spectacles, my wife as well. My oldest son is now getting his pair. Um, you could see up to 40% better at near intermediate distances, which is important for me with my nearsightedness progressively getting worse. Uh, because I'm constantly in front of a screen and reading and researching. So if you want what I have, go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. You don't even have to leave your home. You could schedule a teleoptical appointment. Then go big with biometrical intelligence glasses from Better Spectacles. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to get an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear, plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames, the best in the business. So what is, what is shocking? Yesterday, we, my, my wife was running a little kind of rotating playgroup with the two-year-old. And one of the parents came in and told her she had a grandmother who was about 95 years old in the hospital recovering from pneumonia. So imagine you have a 95-year-old with pneumonia. And they say you're due for your next booster. And they just go and jab her. A day later... She, um, she has a stroke a day later. Now, I mean, before, before we get to the fact that these are bioweapons, even a normal shot, what normal doctor thinks of a 95-year-old woman suffering respiratory illness where you suddenly come in and you introduce another medical intervention that has nothing to do with what's going on? It is a sick religion. It's a death cult. It's a satanic cult. That is what has happened to our medical profession. If you don't have a political party that gets that, a movement that gets that, a conservative media that focuses on that, you're missing everything. That is the ultimate pro-life issue. If you had to peel back the layers of our most fundamental and consequential principles and policies that we care about, it's the right to live. And this is it. And, it, and, and these are not just stories anymore. It's showing up everywhere in the data. It's showing up everywhere. You look at Alberta, okay? Unknown and ill-defined deaths have skyrocketed 57% in 2021. They now supplant heart disease and dementia as the leading cause in Alberta, as they are in most places, for 20 years in raw numbers, the cause of death, the top the number one cause of death in Alberta in a given year. again, it was usually heart disease the last couple of years, dementia. If you look at um, the data, it's around 1700, 1800, in raw numbers. So that's the number one it was 1700, 1800 a year. For 2021, unknown deaths not only became the top cause of death, supplanting dementia, and um, heart disease, and even COVID, which was really bad in 2021 in Canada, it's now 3,362. It's almost double what the typical top cause of death is. And if you extrapolate that out, the U.S. is about 77 times larger in population than Alberta, if you extrapolate that out okay that would work out to about 200,000 excess unexplained deaths so meaning i just took the excess of the i didn't i didn't take all the unknown deaths cuz you have a certain amount that's always there but the excess over the last 2 years and i came up with if you extrapolate that to the us population that's about 200,000 in 2021. And again, that tracks with our numbers because I believe now with it accelerating with the boosters, with um, the subclinical myocarditis, the long-term effects, we're starting to see long-term deaths. I believe now we're probably somewhere around 350,000. Again, this is another number that really, really does tie in almost perfectly. So... We're finding this everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, but where are the Republicans? Just talking points. This is from uh, Holding the dot com. Graham Crawford, Edinburgh professor, claims latest data confirms causal relationship with excess uh, deaths. A dramatic and unexplained resurgence in excess deaths in Scotland points to the COVID nineteen rejections. Injections, retired Edinburgh professor Richard Ennis says official data from 2021-2022 provide very strong evidence for a causal relationship between the vaccination and a huge number of excess deaths in the country. Earlier this year, the committee, they had a committee from the government, actually. At least they have a committee investigating this. The cause of unprecedented level of excess deaths recorded in Scotland from week 21 to week 52 in 2021. And again week 21 it, it it's it's roughly going to be you know around June which is when you would start seeing it there numbering 44,819 it was 12% above the average the worst ever recorded Okay So it's pretty insane and they're calling for autopsies and of course they're not being done We don't need this anymore The question only is it, is it yay big or yay big? This number a million or that number a million? If you got the jab but didn't really experience anything, are you off the hook or is the long term much greater? Those are the only remaining questions. But the fact that this thing saved nobody, made the virus worse to this day, and made it never ending, and killed millions of people around the world And hundreds of thousands in in the U.S. That is a fact at this point. So it looks like the dam is finally breaking. Finally it's coming out. Tucker is able to talk about it. I don't know what the rules are about that when he is and isn't able to talk about these things. But this is where we are. You look at the success of the GOP in fighting abortion. It really shows. And abortion is not like a 90-10 issue. It's pretty even, and on certain facets of it, consistently the left has had at least somewhat of a majority. And yet, you know, that was the one issue we powered through, unified cause, people heard the other side of the story, and everyone thought all hell would break loose after the Dobbs opinion, but in fact, it's almost like a forgotten issue now. Done. Most red states banned it. Done. Done over with. You see how easy it is, you could imagine, something like this. How hard is it for Republicans to stand on the right issues? How hard is it for self described conservatives to have the moxie to say what matters, call for the right policies, hold their elected officials accountable that care about what conservatives think, and play the double game, come on their shows? How hard is it to do that? You know, you look at the public, the public is onto this. For a while, we had the mass psychosis formation, but finally, I mean, people, most people, you'll find the people in the airports here and there that are glued to the mask, but it's a minority. They've woken up to the mask. And with the shots, there's a Desert News article. It's worth reading just from their perspective. Why have so few children been vaccinated for COVID-19? This came out a couple days ago. And it says that only 15% of kids 5 to 11 got the jab, and only 3% of those 0 to 5. The American public responded by not vaccinating their young children. This shows not only their skepticism of the need for the vaccine and those least likely to get sick, but also their lack of trust of the CDC writ large. Indeed, we're winning, and yet Republicans still won't touch it. And, again, you look at the top-rated shows, writers, figures, you know, go down from there. If you wanted to create, like, a list of conservative influencers, the top 50, uh, you know, with, with the most Twitter followers, go down that list. And what are they saying? And what are they not saying? And, again... It's very easy when Biden is in power and Republicans are in the minority, they're, they're always going to sound better. But even now, they're not even on message. That's what's so frustrating. This is the first time I remember where it's literally like you could take them out of 1972. It's as if what is going on is not going on. They don't even get it. And that's, of course, why they are still on Twitter, because they're not a threat to the system. And again, it's it's important to remember that Republicans screw us when they're in power. It's always easier to vote no. Now, you look at our Liberty score from Conservative Review. There's only 12 senators. There's 50 GOP senators. There's only 12 that have a Liberty score of 80 or above. There's only a few that have 90 or above. But even that 12 is extremely inaccurate because... It's only because a number of them, like Mike Brown in Indiana, they're freshmen, they're new. So they've only been in power, or the majority of the time they've been in power, they were in the minority. Okay? Republicans recently have been in the minority. So, yeah, I mean, most of the bad stuff they vote against, but then the things that matter, the NDAA, the budget bills, the must-pass bills, they vote for. So, again, if you would have six years... You know we have a six-year rolling average, but then you know some are new, so you don't have that. So it's kind of inaccurate. It's like having a you know four hundred, five hundred batting average the first week of the baseball season. So what I'm saying is our numbers are actually not even reflective of of the reality. If you would get six years of an average of being in the majority, you would have you know four or five over eighty, not over ninety. So yeah, I mean that's where we are. We have no representation, but. I want to get to our special guest. I've been meaning to have on for a long time to discuss more, kind of where we are in this uh, epidemiologically, where we are in the in the medical freedom fight, monkeypox. We're gonna throw everything we can at him in the remaining time we have. Now, two and a half years into this saga, I still can't believe I've never had Dr. Paul Alexander on the show. But we're atoning for that mistake today. Dr. Alexander is an epidemiologist. He worked as a science advisor at HHS right at that critical beginning period of the pandemic in 2020. Saw a lot of things. So he's really had a full glimpse of the original government response, the players behind that. He's very well acquainted with what Burks and Fauci did and and others there and how broken that system is. And he's fought it from the outside, um, publishing all sorts of information on – the epidemiological aspects, the treatment of the virus, the danger Mm -hmm. of the shots. He's been involved at the political side. He's he's a Canadian, and he was very involved in the trucker convoy and then the one in the United States as well. Really has lived this from day one, brings with him so much of a broad perspective. Our only challenge will be time constraints. Um, So we're going to get his take on this and so much more. Dr. Alexander, it's been way too long. Thanks so much for joining us today at Blaze Media.
1: Thank you very much, sir. And what an honor and a privilege uh, to be on your show. I've followed uh, a lot of things that you write and a lot of your, um, your, your videos and uh, your podcasts, and it's incredible your grasp and depth. And um, it is an honor, sir, and uh, I hope I can add to what you discussed.
0: Well, that's exactly why I'm bringing you on to add mm-hmm. to that. Um, and and one of the most science-heavy aspects of this is viral immune escape. So I want to talk about kind of where we are from the virus. We, we, we have two dangers. We have the communists and we have the virus. And the virus is as a result of their activities. So we're boxed in between both. So I want to first make sure our people are safe from the virus. Now, if you would have spoken to me after the winter of 2021 that was that the worst part of it the most deaths. i would have said you know we're headed towards herd immunity it should have been over with yet here we are it goes on and on and on and it never seems to end could you explain what your theory is behind this i i know you've done work with dr gert vandenbosch what is causing this thing to never end
1: uh okay and as uh daniel um uh, intimated before, just quickly join in to this discussion. Uh, my background is in evidence-based medicine and um, clinical epidemiology research methods. And um, I did work for the World Health Organization at the beginning of this pandemic in 2020 January as their pandemic advisor, oddly enough, and then I moved over to the uh, Trump administration. Um just before that I worked as a guideline development uh, expert for the infectious diseases Society of America for three years informing their panels. So here's the issue. The issue is that um as he just suggested, Daniel, that um we thought that this was done. And uh the problem is that we are arguing now with van den Bosch, great van den Bosch, Dr. Mike Lee, me, myself, McCullough, et etc. Uh, that this pandemic, uh, what I even argue, it was never even a pandemic, it, it was more of an emergency, um, but will continue for 100 years even if these COVID injections, this gene platform injection, is not stopped. And the reason why is that um, what we are finding now uh, is that the, the virus itself and now the present BA4, BA5, subvariant, or some people use the word clade, is resistant to the antibodies induced by the vaccine. So, that when you take the vaccine and your immune system generates these antigen-specific vaccinal antibodies, specific to the spike protein, um, with the BA5 subvariant, the antibodies are just not hitting the... uh, the, the virus. And uh, so there is viral immune escape. But what that basically means is that uh, we are seeing infectious variants and in, after infectious variants being generated. Why? Because the variants that circulate and we generate the variants, we as people, when we get infected and uh, the virus replicates in us. So there's, there are billions and billions of variants constantly circulating. So when you have a vaccine like this one, it is what we call a leaky or imperfect vaccine, suboptimal, in the sense that if the vaccinal antibodies no longer hit the target, which is the spike antigen on the BA5 or Omicron, that means that there's infectious pressure. So viruses circulating. So because we are still in a pandemic, or let's say epidemic, And we are vaccinating the population. We are mass vaccinating the population. That is the problem. Right there is the key. If you mass vaccinate a population using a proper functional vaccine that sterilizes the virus completely, neutralizes the pathogen in the sense that it prevents infection, it prevents replication, and it prevents transmission, then we will not be having this discussion uh this would have been done. Uh this this whole COVID saga would have been over when they bought this in January, February of twenty twenty one when they rolled out this this vaccine slash injection. However, quickly the vaccinal antibodies are uh, removed from being neutralising to being non neutralising so that they could not stop infection or transmission. And once that happened, it was placing the virus under what we call suboptimal pressure. In other words, it was not completely destroying the virus. It was binding to the virus, the, the antibodies, yet not eliminating it. What happens as a result? Well, as a result, because the virus is now resistant to the antibodies, the variance among the Billions of variants that are circulating at once. Those variants that are hardiest, that are fittest, using Darwinian natural selection terminology, those variants are selected, because those variants are able to overcome Mm. that suboptimal immune pressure. And those variants, because it's not just me, it would be many people in the society, because you're mass vaccinating the population, who will have this situation occurring within them. All of those variants that are similar, that have overcome the suboptimal pressure, those numerically would be selected as the new dominant variant. And we saw that across time with Delta, then Omicron and BA-1, BA-2, BA-4, BA-5, etc. So that is the problem. The, 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 the virus, they're selecting for the variants that are fittest and hardiest, and we use that terminology as viral immune escape. It is basically what that terminology said. It says it's escaping the vaccinal antibodies and going around and infecting the vaccinated person. And that is what we are seeing. We are seeing that the vaccinated person, it's not the unvaccinated, it's the vaccinated person that is most at risk of infection post vaccine. But alarmingly, we are seeing now increased hospitalization and death amongst the vaccinated. So it's not really a pandemic. It was never a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Once can argue it was a pandemic of the vaccinated and it was the CDC and the NIH redefining the term vaccinated that really confused the public. And they did this as a deception and a mislead, grossly mislead the public because what they did was they stated that up to 14 to 15 days post-shot, you are not vaccinated. So all of these infections and hospitalizations and deaths that happened from day one all the way to day 15, they counted that as an unvaccinated person, which was a lie. I will use the terminology. It was a lie. You were vaccinated. But CDC and NIH did that so that they can go to the podium, Director Walensky, and say that all of these hospitalizations and deaths are happening in unvaccinated people. So you need to vaccinate quickly. That was a lie. It was actually happening in the
0: vaccinated. So what you're talking about is a very deep scientific uh, theory, but... Typically, see, typically you don't have to know calculus or biology to understand public policy, right? But this is the first time that I ever remember that this scientific theory is everything that matters to our life. Because what you're saying is that even before we get to the injuries and the maladies that the shots create, the 14,000 categories worth of maladies and theirs, and this thing seems to do potentially anything to every corner of your body. But just from the virus standpoint, the more you inject, the more you infect, and and then that so is more panic so they inject even more so do i have this correct that you're saying that the reason why this is going to continue to go on it's not that there aren't mutations certainly coronaviruses will always have them they'll have millions of mutations and they always have but you're saying what the suboptimal pressure does uh with evolutionary theory is that it selects for the most the fittest most dominant ones to circulate for a period of a few months and then move on to the next one
1: Yes, and it's not any properties intrinsic to the virus. The virus does not is not this virus is not coming or behaving with properties that saying it is more infectious. It is the vaccine. It is the non-neutralizing vaccine that we are currently vaccinating with. It is the vaccine that is giving the virus that property, making the virus more infectious, and then causing the vaccinated to become infected. And we have research by Yahi et al., by Liu et al., et cetera, by Arsenal et al., that shows us that what is happening actually is that the vaccinal antibodies, which are the antibodies induced when you get the vaccine, are still binding to the spike protein. It is still binding and it's out-competing your innate antibodies, et cetera, because it's, they're highly specific, uh a high affinity for the spike protein. However, whilst they can still bind as non-neutralizing antibodies, in binding, they cannot eliminate the virus, but they hold on to the spike. They bind, it. an interaction between the vaccinal antibodies and the spike binding site. But yet, in binding, because it's not neutralizing it, so not eliminating it, it is also giving that virus a property of increased infectiousness that then turns around and infects the vaccinated person. And that is why you see the data that shows us that in all of the nations across the world, save African nations, where the vaccine rate has been elevated, particularly in the West, America, UK, Canada, et cetera, you have such high infection rate post-vaccine. And those countries, like the South Af- like the African nations that, that would help and could not vaccinate due to poverty, couldn't buy the vaccines, didn't get the vaccine, you were low on the list, et cetera, they actually benefited because now you see that even in the, in the face of Omicron, BA5 and BA5 is highly infectious, I think the are not, which is the capacity for one person to infect additional people, some claim that it's as high as 18, which is, a, which is a tremendous R0. That means one person could infect 18 people potentially once exposed. With such a high R0, B.A. 5 raging in Africa, still, still has not caused major yes. epidemic waves, et cetera, there. And why? They have not been vaccinated to the levels that we have been. This vaccine is non-neutralizing. It is. And I want the listener to understand the tape. And again, I have to be honest. I work heavily with Dr. Goldfand and Boss, Dr. Mike Eden, and these people. I would say I'm a disciple of them, meaning I learn a lot from them. I'm heavily worked in COVID, but I had to learn a lot of immunology and vaccinology and virology from them. I am trying to say it this way to your listener. It is not the virus. Remember in 19, was it 1992? Uh, where I think Bill, I can't remember the exact year, but Bill Clinton said, it's the economy, stupid. Hmm. Well, I want to say it, not insulting the public, but it's the vaccine, stupid. It is not the virus. This virus, if you left it alone right now, and we did nothing anymore, no vaccine, though, stop the vaccine, and you left this alone with enough base natural immunity in the population to be. This virus will will become stable, yes. achieve endemicity, and we can go on with our lives. But it's the vaccine, the non-neutralizing antibodies that this vaccine induces that is driving so, the infectiousness of the virus.
0: So, Dr. Alexander, let, let me take this to the next level. And by the way, guys, if you if you like what he's saying, um make sure to subscribe to his Substack. Uh, COVID nineteen evidence based medicine or just Google his name you'll 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 see it he also writes for the Brownstone Institute um, really collates uh, studies and everything these lists of a hundred studies for this or that unbelievable scholarship but um Dr Alexander I want to take this to the next level so I thought originally okay early last year it became clear to those of us with our eyes open that the vaccine was a joke. I didn't quite realize how dangerous it was until a few months later, but we knew it wasn't working. So I figured, all right, well, but by, by hook or by crook, everyone will get the vex the the virus because it doesn't work. And then at least then it will be over with and we'll achieve immunity and endemicity. But it it sure seems that people now, unlike before, are getting it multiple times. Why? Why 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 is the principle of your body, your, your T-cells, your lymphocytes, and all those things, recognizing the pathogen. Why is that breaking down?
1: Well, I mean, look, I mean, we, we could discuss it very in depth, and it will take forever. Well, no, not really, but not too long for this show. But, but I'll say it this way. Like, we've written, I've written a piece in Brownstone, and yes, my uh, my is Alexander COVID News. You can find this article there. Um, we have collated about 160 studies that shows that natural immunity is far superior than vaccine immunity. So it was a lie by the CDC and the NIH and Wolinsky and Redfield and all of these people about uh, Fauci and they that uh, the vaccine has far superior immunity. That was bogus. That was messy, That was nuts. that's not even possible. But the issue here is this: your your natural immunity, your immune system, if it's going to build an immunological memory against this virus, it will look at the entire virus, the entire viral ball, all of the proteins, surface proteins on it. Uh, one of them is the spike protein. This virus has about 30 proteins, the envelope protein, the membrane protein. There's an internal, highly conserved protein called the nucleocapsid protein, et cetera. The virus uh, your, your immune system would look at the entire virus and build an immune response to every single part of the surface and the interior. So that when that virus comes back around, your immune system, your natural immunity would, would recognize it because it, it has seen everything on it. And even if one or two things are different, by the rest of everything being still seen, it will know that this is the same thing I saw before and will eliminate it. But the vaccine, this particular vaccine was made with just one target. And that was the problem. That's why people like me have argued, it. it's almost as though they designed it to fail from the beginning. They gave the vaccinal response just one target, which is the spike. We found out, we knew quickly that despite all of the mutations that are happening on the SARS-CoV-2 virus, is happening on the spike protein. So the spike is changing. And we spoke about it earlier the suboptimal immune pressure is on the spike. So we are placing the spike under pressure and the, and, and, and the spike is evolving. We've underestimated the evolutionary capacity of this virus, the spike, to evolve and adapt to that pressure. And it is changing and it is selecting for the fittest variants. If the, antibodies, if the vaccine only hits one target, once the spike changes, and it will, because it's highly mutable, so it will change, then the vaccine antibodies cannot recognize the spike. That's what's sure. happening in Omicron. And, but the problem, though, Daniel, you ask a very important question. Natural immunity between your innate immune system, which is your first line of defense, and your acquired adaptive immunity, which is the second line, which has immunological memory, um, both should sterilize and eliminate this virus once it comes around, especially if you had exposure to it before. But the problem though is because of the suboptimal immune pressure that the vaccine has placed on this virus, uh, it has it has now we have induced variants that have, 15 to 20 mutations on the spike. Mm. So much so that we are saying that this is almost a sufficiently different subvariant. Wow. It's almost a completely different COVID. And that is why people who are who have been infected before and and the normal victim is your you have bulletproof natural immunity uh it is breaking through your innate immunity. it's just yes. blowing through the innate immunity and uh, the natural immunity then has to do some work your acquired adapted to tamper down and to eliminate it. The good news is the good news is that is why people who get infected and reinfected and you would be uh the symptoms are generally mild because the, the natural acquired immunity is doing sure. a, a decent job. I, I can't yes, I,
0: I still but, haven't heard of, of anyone who got it a second time and it was really bad, but I am seeing increasingly it's more the vaccinated, but there are some unvaccinated, yeah. especially if they didn't get Omicron, if they got it. Before that, it's not so much the time delay because we know generally it lasts forever. Um, people from SARS-1 seem to be amused, immune to SARS-2. But when this unnaturally tampered with that immunological ecosystem, now is a different thing. So I tell people they should be prepared to to get this treated. Before we move on to other issues, yeah. I, I do want to just uh, mention one other point about the vaccination changing for, for the worse the epidemiological aspects of this so one of the things we all noticed pre-vaccine in 2020 it was almost like the vaccine had the virus had a time bomb in it 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 was it was very regimented so it, it you you'd always have a Gompertz curve a very sharp rise up for about five six weeks it was inexorable you couldn't stop it and then it would drop like a rock and then You know, it would hit about 20 percent of the population in a given area. It would move on. And then it might come back around a few months later. It was seasonal. It was Gompertz Curves. Now what we seem to be seeing is seasons don't matter. It's always there. It never really goes down even after a peak. I mean, it goes off of a peak, but then meanders at at a mid-level baseline, doesn't return back to pre you know, pre-pandemic baseline, and it just meanders and goes on and on. We're also finding that areas that never seem to have a problem, such as the Pacific Rim, now have their worst problem ever. Is that also because of the mass vaccination?
1: Well, it is a combination. And the way I've realized you're very adept to the scientific scientific part of this. Uh, It is a combination of the mass vaccination and what they did with lockdowns. Because first of all, what you just said is a key issue that we should just remind your listeners that why we were, we, grew, we grew very concerned with this vaccine is because we began to see that in the high vaccinated countries like, again, United States, etc., Germany, Japan, all of these, Australia, etc., um, Denmark, is that we were seeing that that the peaks now are becoming successively higher than the previous peaks, the waves, the successive waves were coming very closer together. And as you correctly just said, they were not coming back down to baseline. If once you come back down to baseline after that peak, that down will slow, that means that you, you reachieved herd immunity and that's where we want you to become to get to. What we are saying then is these waves in these nations they're not getting back to herd immunity. And that means that there's a massive amount of virus. That is remaining circulating in the environment. And that is the infectious pressure we're talking about. If you have massive infectious pressure constantly, whilst you have a suboptimal immune response via the mass vaccination, you are giving that suboptimal immune response a target, which is virus circulating all the time. And you are therefore allowing it to constantly select for more infectious variants. In other words, one of those two must, be, must disappear from a society. You have to either stop the vaccine or eliminate the infectious pressure. So if you remove one of them, we will not have this problem. So that's another dimension. And a third dimension is the lockdowns. Remember, the, those nations in the Pacific Rim, et cetera, and what we've seen in China, we've now seen in Japan with an exponential increase, et cetera, these nations locked Australia they locked their societies down too long and too hard. And in the beginning, myself, Atlas, Kuldak, Bhattacharya, Gupta, etc., we told nations, we told the United States, if you lock your society down too long and too hard and too tight, you could conceivably stop the spread. You could. If you could do that, you yeah. could do it.
0: Especially but if you're a small you to... island nation like New Zealand, travel ban, no one could come in. Yeah, I mean, it will work to an extent until it doesn't.
1: Correct. But then what you need to understand is, first of all, that virus is not going away. It will be circulating. Remember, COVID, this virus has animal reservoirs. So it's not like smallpox. So when we eliminated it, when we got rid of it, there was no, nothing other than the human reservoir. So once we got it out of humans, it was was a done deal. This has the capacity to live in pangolin, raccoon dogs, ferrets, monkeys, all these bats, the horseshoe bat, etc. So you can never get rid of this. This will be a coronavirus that will live with us forever. And we have borders. So people will always be coming. They locked the societies down. What did they do? They denied their population. And this was our argument strongly protect the vulnerable in society first double down triple down protection of your vulnerable elderly high-risk people if that is all you did as a society you'll be very successful and you will deal with this effectively and once you lock once you strongly protect the vulnerable you allow the rest of society to live largely normal life you use vitamin d3 you use early treatment as needed but You allow the rest of society to be exposed naturally and harmlessly. The the low risk, well and healthy in your society, especially our children and young people, our teenagers. Those are the people, our young persons, young adults like you, Daniel. They are the people in a society who we have always used to confront pathogens, let their functional immune system deal with it, build natural immunity, and we use that to yes. generate our herd immunity, and then protect the
0: vulnerable.
1: Yes, society is failed to do that.
0: And that was all taken away. And I'm glad you mentioned that as an introduction to our next point. Um, now that now that everyone could appreciate how important that innate immunity is. So now we could, uh, unfortunately recognize the criminality of what they did with vaccinating children. So so uh, the very reason why children to begin with were never in danger is because you know this was a new virus and there wasn't a lot of memory to it. Um so you rely on your innate system and the innate system is the strongest the younger you are. So kids have a very strong innate system. Isn't it true that not only is the vaccine unnecessary. And not only does it, you know, run the risk of cardio, neurological, reproductive, and every sort of uh risk that you can imagine, but isn't it true that it actually tamps down your innate system and could damage children's God given gift that that was the very reason they weren't vulnerable to begin with?
1: Boy, Daniel, you know, I, I'm so glad now I came on your show because <laughs> You are one of the few people who, who've actually teed up the innate, because the innate immune system is probably, we we, we probably, Van and Bosch, myself, we all who have been fighting McCullough, et cetera, Rich, Dr. Harvey Riesch, a very good friend of mine, we have made a mistake of only orienting the public the, uh, towards a natural acquired adaptive immune system, and We did not focus on the innate, but the innate immune system is is actually the more important part of the natural immunity, because it is part of your natural immune response. That innate immune system in children is what they come with. Uh, Children rely on on maternal maternal protection for about four to six months post-birth. So they need to come with something that's already pre-primed and pre-activated, which is the innate immune system that must come ready but it is it is ready to be trained and it has to be trained and educated and instructed but it can only be educated and instructed because remember a child comes with a clean slate correctly as you just said it is what we call antigenically naive it has not been, a child has not been exposed an infant to a host of pathogen yet so it needs to train that innate immune system to confront pathogen now, so let's say to confront SARS-CoV-2 now, and to confront a range of pathogens in the future. How does it do that training? Uh, It does that training by a part of the innate immune system called the innate antibodies and the natural killer cells, the NK cells. These two components, as well as some others, but these two are critical. And a child has a brief window of opportunity in young childhood where uh, those innate antibodies and natural killer cells must be trained and educated. So much so, particularly for the natural killer cells, those are critical in terms of uh, staving off cancer. But critically, it helps the innate immune system recognize in a child and then as the child gets older, teenage, young adulthood, whatever, self from non-self, which is very important. In other words, the immune system must be able to recognize, the innate immune system, what belongs to a child, the person, and what does not belong to the person. And therefore, it has to be instructed what I can attack, which is what is foreign to it, and what I should not attack. And it's very important because there are a lot of nuances taking place because the cells, when they get infected, they put on a coat, or let's say clothing around, molecular clothing around the infected cells to mimic what your normal cells look like. In other words, the virus itself has the capacity to trick your immune system mm. to not attack it. And that's where the innate immune system training is critical, particularly natural killer cells. And look, we could talk on and on, but the key that you ask is this. If you vaccinate a child with these vaccines, what we are arguing, what we are seeing is that the antibodies generated from the vaccine, the vaccinal antibodies, because they are highly specific. Uh, high affinity for the spike protein over the innate antibodies. And that's just, that's the physics of it. And that's how it operates. The vaccinal antibodies are very specific. Uh, high affinity um, towards the spike. Those vaccinal antibodies. And we know that they're not even neutralizing the virus. That's not even the point, And that's a bad thing. It doesn't even work. Yet, the vaccinal antibodies, whilst not neutralizing the virus, still gets to the spike and interacts with the spike and outcompetes the innate antibodies in children. Therefore, the innate antibodies cannot bind, and it's in that binding of the innate antibodies that they educate the larger innate immune system to do the things it needs to do, which is to help the children deal with the pathogen it's confronting now to learn to differentiate the different other viruses it's going to confront in the future and with the NK cells to recognize self from non self. Those things will not happen. So the binding of the vaccinal antibodies to the spike blocks the innate antibodies in children from binding. And if the innate antibodies don't bind, they cannot do the three jobs. I just got it. mentioned. And so I will put children in a devastating situation. So for
0: my audience to understand an analogy, it's like training a conservative to be a Fox News conservative. So you you have suboptimal responses, distractions, focus on the wrong thing, tunnel vision. It's not necessarily bad, but it's the wrong thing. So then you can never be locked in and prioritizing what it needs, and you train them. I didn't plan on asking you this, but because I know there's a red line between these shots and other vaccines, because this is just worse than anything that's ever been produced. It's conclusively a uh, bad, like you said, almost had to have been done on purpose because it's, it perfectly yeah. screws you up. But I, I do want to ask this, you know, I, I never thought twice about a vaccine. I always thought that was a uh, synonymous with saying a cure. It's just a vaccine is good. But as we well know, I mean, you know even things that are generally good antibiotics or whatever you don't say you're pro antibiotics it's you know it has to be the right person the right type the right situation but after everything you're describing and again i know these these shots are particularly suboptimal particularly leaky narrow spectrum mm-hmm. but to the, the fact that even since i you know i'm in my upper 30s even since i was a kid They've come out with exponentially more shots, and they have so many more down the pipeline. Is it really okay that we've conclusively proven that it makes sense necessarily to take every child the minute they're born, no matter their situation, no matter whether they go to playgroup or whether they're nursing or not nursing, and give them up to 72 doses of vaccines of all sorts during their childhood, and we know conclusively that there's no tampering with the innate... Immune system. I mean, that's okay. Well, well,
1: <laughs> well, well I, I, don't, I don't think it is because, and, and listen. I mean, I have young children, and uh, I was vaccinated as a child. My family, my kids, uh, etc. Um, there are vaccines like the MMR um, uh, uh, set, et cetera, The meningitis vaccine for young people. I would say teenagers, particularly. Um, these have shown uh, by the data to be safe, but but look, here's how I answer your question. Um, as somebody who was in the epidemiology and the evidence based world before, until this COVID disaster came about with this COVID operation warp speed, because this a disaster. Until it came out, I didn't study it the way I should have. Sure. Um, I left that up to people like Barnabas Sunday. But now that I'm very on top of this situation, immunology and the vaccine, I can say that there are tremendous questions. There are tremendous drawbacks. And uh, parents today must be reticent. They must ask questions. And I understand where they would be reluctant to administer this slew of vaccines. And I would even argue that it can be that many of these may not actually be needed. Now, you, Daniel, and myself, if if you can, you are not like, let's say the guy next door to you, their clinician. So you don't want people to say "Well, Daniel Hall stole me and then I didn't take it and then you get blamed for some outcome. No, we have to educate people and share information. People must know that when they listen to Daniel or Paul, that they still have to make their exactly. decision and still discuss with their clinician. And and also, people need to understand,
0: it's not zero or 100. It's the fact that you you can't just use a bogeyman. Like, you know, they used to say, if you don't support de-incarceration, you're a racist, right? So racism used to be the thing to tamp down any debate. So now it's anti-vax. But again, we, you know, I... We all understand the goal of vaccination and the pursuit of it, but it's like saying I support chemotherapy, I support antibiotics, I support surgery. There's different interventions, and it's got to be – there's nothing categorical. And I just – the more I think about it and the more I look at this, I'm like, don't we need some sort of commission – And the government's not going to do it. So maybe you guys, the top 10 of you together, need to get together and do an audit of what is out there, the safety and efficacy. Is there a need? For whom is there a need? Are there concerns? Are there some models and makes that are better than others? Some have more aluminum than others. In other words, this notion that they're all good, it's all good. Every year we increase more. Again, if we don't put, you know, put the brakes on this, there's going to be many more down the pipeline. Yeah. And 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 it's like the other thing I would bring up too that I've learned, I um I never thought twice about this, but now it makes sense. God meant for us to get certain pathogens when we're young, um and 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 we don't know what that does for us. So for example, the chickenpox vaccine. I'm even old enough to have gotten chickenpox, and it was—it wasn't a problem. No one thought twice about it. Um, so it, it appears that we eradicated it for the most part, not completely, but you know, it's certainly very rare now. But who's to say that was needed, and who's to say yeah. that was a good thing, and that, that it didn't cause other problems?
1: Yes, I, I agree with you 100. That's why I'm trying to tread the needle here by saying that. I absolutely agree with you. I don't want people to say, well, you know, I heard Dr. Alexander say, blah, 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 blah. And then I went and followed it and this happened to so Dr. Alexander is to blame. No, please. When you listen to people like Daniel or myself or anyone, um, we are we are skeptics or contrarians. or We are asking questions. We're trying to provoke you to think. And I am thinking today that what has happened in COVID with this Operation Warp Speed and this particular vaccine, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But what has happened here now makes me realise that it could well be that a lot of yes. these vaccines out there are suboptimal too, and were never needed. Also, and actually created a disaster. Remember, Daniel. Right now, you have Pfizer, Moderna, and the government talking about going and bringing a bivalent vaccine. And let me tell you how disastrous that would be. Quickly, a bivalent vaccine by the fall to deal with BA five Omicron which has this, the Wuhan spike and the BA5 spike in it. Now, think about that. That will be vaccinating a second time, mass vaccination into a pandemic. We know already that with yeah. its first rounds of vaccine into a pandemic, that you are going to drive natural selection to select infectious variants. So that would be a disaster. That's number one. But the second thing is the Wuhan spike, you know, is already gone over a year now. Why would they put that? That would drive the infectious variant even more. Thirdly, BA 5 by fall would be probably supplanted by another more infectious variant. So it it seems like they don't know what they're doing. They're just going to do something now to say, oh, look, we've improved the vaccine. They are not improving the vaccine. They're actually not. I, I see no way that they're doing that. What they need to do right now is to stop. They need to stop. This COVID 19 slew of injections, just stop completely yep. across the board. None for any child. Just stop it. Go back to your lab and come back around after a decade and tell us you studied this vaccine or whatever, and this was what the uh, side effects told. I mean, think about it. The FDA approval recently for the, for the six month to five year old, that was based on eight weeks of follow up. How could you tell me? <laughs> Did you see? Did, did you? You assess safety based on ages. When we need 15 years to assess a vaccine, this whole thing is nonsensical and absurd and very, very dangerous. And that is why, Daniel. I hope you don't mind. I say this. I continue to say. I want ex-President Trump to stand up now yes. and say that these vaccines are a problem for children and even across the board, and a moratorium must be put in place immediately. And none for children. He has to say it, uh, and I hope, I know he's seeing it. I am waiting. I am waiting. I want him to.
0: No, and you were there, you were in the administration for, for that critical period of time, and and he could be a voice for this, for the those injured, a voice for running a campaign yes. on getting rid of this immunity, which is how we're going to get legal discovery in the courts and how we're going to bring this out. This stuff needs to be brought out, and the point is, You know, again, all of us want to thread the needle because we're trying to obviously fight what's in front of us. So you don't want to take on a bigger liability of questioning prior vaccines. But the problem is what we're learning now with the antidepressants and we're learning this with Alzheimer drugs. There's a lot of things that are coming out that if you just make something completely off limits that you can't even question it and, and expect a logical answer in return, this is how you that that's ultimately anti-scientific and you gotta start questioning wait a minute these trends don't make sense something is not right where is this coming from you know all things have its place um, but all things have its place in the right measure. Uh, you know, over the last 10, 15 years you start seeing pharmacies, which used to be drugstores, they're now obsessed with vaccines. This vaccine, that vaccine. They have the placards outside the storefront, like whoa, 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 where is this coming from? And you know, with the flu vaccine, there's I'm sure you've seen there's tons of literature. If you go back, you'll see tamping down of T cells. Negative efficacy. There's a study on that for some years. You know, this concept yes. is not 100% new. I think this has the worst elements and then all the injuries that, you know, even, even if you believe the worst elements, the worst suspicions of some of the other vaccines, this has blown through that by a factor of a thousand. But we need to question this. And I want to lead that to the final thing. I wish we could do a part two because there's so much more to get to. But monkeypox. Um, most of our people, I think, recognize the scam, they're laughing it off ha ha ha, that you're willing to shut down the entire world for um, such a long period of time based on nothing, and then now when you have a pathogen that is indeed quarantinable and it almost exclusively comes out from one activity they don't want to touch that one activity because again it's all about kind of a hierarchy of what's a you know a, a greater uh sacrament in their in their system and you know so you have public health which is a high level thing run into the homosexual stuff which is another high level thing we get that but what i'm a little bit concerned about is i don't want to completely dismiss this because I am bothered by how quickly this is spreading relatively, not like a respiratory virus, but how quickly. We know they were running simulations on it. We know they were talking about it. We know they were studying it. We know they have so many other labs. They're engaging in other gain-of-function research. What are your thoughts in general on the possibility that this is not like the other mini outbreaks we've had over the years of monkeypox that somehow this might have been tampered with?
1: I, I am I am leaning now towards that this might have been tampered with. I know about the simulations that they ran, and uh, the same way that I'm I'm almost convinced, not almost I am convinced that the SARS-CoV-2 virus was manufactured in the laboratory. I mean I've spoken to enough high-level people at WHO, etc. at CDC at NIH to understand where they're thinking is whether they could come out on the record and speak. I mean I've had this just. I had training at Johns Hopkins in biological warfare. I, I did in 2001 under Dr. Donald Henderson, who eradicated smallpox. So I understand biowarfare and bio- bioterrorism. Look, the issue here is this that, um, that, remember, what we've been arguing is that we have the clear evidence, we have the scientific evidence that the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, actually um, suppresses the immune response. We know that two to three weeks post shot we know that you're highly vulnerable to COVID as well as a slew of other pathogens. But we know that it suppresses like CD8+, cytotoxic cells, etc. cetera. So uh, with that, what we're trying to say is that with your COVID vaccine, you are highly vulnerable to this monkeypox now as well as other emerging, uh, other pathogens that are circulating, cytomegalo, epstein other hepatic viruses, et cetera, mm. rotavirus, all of these. And and that is the issue. That's what we've been trying to say. This COVID vaccine, because of the nature of the non-neutralizing antibodies, is binding to the various viruses. Remember, you see, we should have a whole show on it, and we should actually have band and of these exposed scenarios. But I think I understand it enough These viruses are glycosylated viruses, so they are very similar. Um, All of these viruses, common cold, um, influenza, they share surface sugars and glycans, So the outer surfaces are very called glycosylated. So if it is that the the vaccinal antibodies are creating a problem for the SARS-CoV-2 virus, it is also creating a problem for these other infections and causing you now... Subverting the immune response and causing you to be vulnerable and infected. And the challenge with the monkeypox is this. And you know, I've been writing and been speaking. I did a major interview yesterday uh, on this monkeypox. And my argument is simple is this. Look, we know right now the data show that 99.9% of all of the cases are in men who are sex with men, gay and bisexual communities. That is a fact. We also know that it is transmitted through these infected pustules and lesions on the skin in in different areas of the body. And we also know that at present, unless we have data to show us it's aerosolized, and we have no data to show that yet, right now, it is relegated to -to skin-to-skin abrasive heavy contact. And this is a fact, similar to the situation in HIV. This is not about ostracizing or, or, or stigmatizing anyone. This is about public health. This is not about your rights. This is about the fact that I am trying to speak in a way that CDC and the NIH and Fauci they have failed. The WHO have failed the high-risk community, the gay community. You have a situation where a particular virus is using touch, contact, skin-to-skin, breakage of tissue to spread itself. And that's how you have to look at it. The virus is using the tearing, micro tears in tissue to transmit from one infected partner to the other. Mm. If the other partner has a breakage in tissue, that fluid will transmit. And that's all we are saying. It's not about you being gay. This is about this virus, um, uh, how should I say, hijacking your form of contact and intimacy. So let me put it this way, even so the public might understand, and your listeners, if a heterosexual couple, a male and female, who are even monogamous with each other, let us say that one of them had a sexually transmitted infection, one of them, that is spread by touch contact, and they engage in, in, in intimacy, where there's breakage of tissue, tearing of tissue, tears you can't even see it, but it's there the other partner will become infected. So again, it's not about being gay. And that's what the CDC and Fauci and Molinske, they are playing political correctness game. They are harming the high-risk gay community bisexual. And it is the bisexual males that's our biggest problem because it happened in HIV. It was the bisexual males that took HIV into the general low-risk heterosexual population. And that is our problem right now. Sure, I have a lot of...
0: That's the issue. And again, you wonder where it came from. And also, like you said, the timing is a little bit suspicious that they lower everyone's immune system. And then you have another thing that comes out. And I think now we need to be ready to investigate this from day one. But we're way over time. We're going to have to do a part two to this. Oh again, um, people could find your work on Substack, Dr. Paul Alexander, COVID-19 evidence-based medicine, um, the Brownstone Institute. You have columns there as well. Um, really appreciate the time you've given us today and please come back soon. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you. Take care. So again, that was Dr. Paul Alexander, uh, epidemiologist. He worked in the Trump administration. At some point, I'd like to get his take on what went on there politically. I know he has a lot to say on that, but we didn't have time. We're way over time. My producer's not going to like this, um, but I felt it was it was too important. Again, there's so much political stuff that we need to cover and I don't like to spend too much time just getting down these rabbit holes, but it's a rabbit hole that affects all of humanity. The more you inject, the more you infect. It's a vicious cycle. It's, it's being done on purpose. This thing, and notice with him, we didn't even get to the vaccine injury stuff because in many ways, this is the ultimate form of vaccine injury before you even get to the neurological, myocarditis, reproductive stuff, the death, sudden death, whatever, tinnitus, migraines, It's just the fact that it perpetually lowers your immune system, destroys your innate system, uh, um, puts tunnel vision on your adaptive immune system, and makes it – like he said, this could go on for 100 years if you don't stop this business, and then they get even more – uh, variant shots and they'll uh, apply even more suboptimal pressure and keep going. And then they'll introduce more pathogens at a time when everyone's immune system is, is destroyed. I mean, these are these people are animals. They're worse than any anything we thought Al Qaeda would do to us. So this is why it's so important we uncover this. And uh, again, he's very prolific, has a lot of stuff uh, on his sub stack. If you have any questions for him, you could email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. You could follow me on Telegram, C19 Truth Bombs. Um, I still am on Getter. I post there sometimes, daniel underscore Hurwitz. Um Also, again, we do have at blazesocks.com our promotional. Uh, if you put in CR Socks, you could get uh, 20% off. We're running a deal on uh, basically – Oh no! Uh, well, actually – Promo code Blaze Sub, Blaze Sub for twenty percent off your purchase, and it's available only to Blaze TV subscribers. Uh, go Brandon socks, Ultra Maga. We even have Klaus Schwab socks making fun out of him. Uh, cotton grown in America, spun in America. They support twelve hundred American jobs. They're really comfy too, um, and kind of cool. There's also um, drink covers too. Uh, cotton drink covers that have the same thing, so they're a little bit more exposed if you want to. Spread your message there. So Christmas has come early here at Blaze TV. Go to blazesocks.com. Um, promo code Blaze Sub to order yours today. And please, as always, send this show to everyone you know um, to get the proper information. This is something people never studied, and and look, he even said this, and I've said this, and Dr. McCullough has said this. People that are world-renowned doctors. They, they, they say, you know, I never studied vaccines before. You know, it just we always we all have aspects of our lives that we just take for granted and we never question. And that's fine. But when you have something like this occur, you got to step back and say, wait a minute. How deep does this rock go like an apple that's rotted and you start peeling it back and digging and digging? How deep does it go? And, and we, we we don't know. I don't know how much this ropes in, how many other vaccines, how long, but what we do know is that a good part of everything we've accepted as gospel and medicine is a complete lie Um, and is all to serve big pharma almost like a vicious cycle. You get people sicker to engender a greater need for whatever that intervention is. doesn't mean that no intervention is ever needed. No intervention was ever good. There has been advances in surgery and things like that, but but a lot of stuff with the drug industry and certainly the vaccine in- industry, it doesn't mean it's an all-or-nothing proposition, but it does mean that there are a lot of problems we've been covering up, and we need research and accountability immediately. And the best way to get that is removing full immunity, repealing the 1986 Act. That is the single most important thing. As he said, coming back to our show, it's not the economy, stupid. It's the vaccine, stupid, but not just the vaccines, but everything it represents, genocide, democide, full control over our life, our liberty, our property, our cars, our energy, our food, our medical care. This is not your grandfather's political fight, and this is not your grandfather's political solutions. We need people that are willing to confront the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.